Hello, it's Michelangelo Caruso. I've got another fantastic interview for you today. This is my good friend, Art Subcheck. I've known Art for years and years and years from the speaking circuit. And uh, he is not only a, a good speaker, but he has developed a niche, or as the French would say, a niche, that is just fantastic. He's really drilled down on it. He owns the space. And we're going to talk today about that space and give you specific tips on what you can do to improve your game. How are you, Art? I am doing fantastic, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. Tell everybody what you do, man. What's your elevator speech? How do you say it in 10 words? What I do is I help sales professionals get through, get in, and sell by using the phone. Can you tell that he's rehearsed this, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> this guy has it down to a science. And, you know, uh, Art, we haven't talked about this, but I'm, I'm reading Ray Dalio's book, Principles. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. It's not a, an easy thing to get through. But Dalio's this guy, for those of you listening that don't know who he is, he, he's perhaps the most successful hedge fund investor in the history of civilization. So he's made a lot of money on hedge funds. And Ray Dalio, uh, Art, as you may know, he developed a rule set for managing money. And then what he decided, well, if the rules looks, work so good for managing money, there, there ought to be a rule set for managing people. And I'm thinking of this today, Art, because to my mind, you've developed a rule set for cold calling. You've developed a rule set uh, of very binary processes, uh, binary meaning yes, no, works, doesn't work. And you're quite clear on it from the data points, the research, all of your years in the business. Is that a fair way to describe the system that you teach? Well, two things. One is I, I don't use the word cold call unless it's in a derogatory sense. So okay. I, I came up I'm with in the Michigan, term, man. All the calls are cold. Uh, I, I came up with the term smart call. Uh, a cold call I define as somebody calling someone that they don't know who doesn't know them, trying to sell something that uh, the person probably doesn't want or need without knowing anything about them and giving everybody the same pitch. Yeah. Conversely, a smart call is doing some research and knowing something about the person and the organization that we're calling so that, number one, we can make our initial messaging relevant to help us get through and get in. And then, so we can create some curiosity so the person will want to actually engage with us and speak with us, which is really the only reason why they would they would get or stay on the phone with us in the first place. So, so we call that the smart call. Then to answer the second part of your question, yes, it is most definitely a step-by-step a, a -step process. It's completely transparent to the person at the other end of the line, they have no idea that we're following a process because it's it's very conversational, just like we're conversational here right now. But there are numerous steps to follow in order to execute that call successfully, both before we pick up the phone and then while we're on the phone. And the problem with a, with a lot of people who fail at this is that they just kind of smile and dial and wing it and they subscribe to the numbers game mentality, which is throw enough up against the wall, something's gonna stick. And, and the problem with that is they ultimately stop doing it because they experience that thing called what they call rejection. And, I, and we can get into that too because I've, I've got a different way to look at that. Okay. Uh, so if, if you're watching, you get the idea that Art's really thought this true, through. Um, and it's true, I think, when you do any kind of endeavor, if you, if you prepare for it, you'll do better. It may sound like Art and I are conversational in this call, and that's mission accomplished because we want you to feel that way, but we've talked about what we're going to talk about. 
I've interviewed a lot of people before. Art has been interviewed a lot before. And so if it seems really smooth, it's not an accident, ladies and gentlemen. It's, an, it's, it's strategic and it's on purpose. Art, a lot of the people that are making calls these days, uh, cold calls now known as smart calls, are younger employees in the workforce. They seem to get that. And you find that you're working with a lot of young people when you're training? Yes, yeah, and and here's the d dilemma. Uh, a lot of younger people are not used to actually talking on the phone. They uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll use these things for just about everything other than than actually talking, and uh, not to indict the, the the entire age group, but but that definitely is a problem that employers are seeing. Now, now, granted, that's not everyone. So when I go into organizations, uh, we we have to change the mindset a little bit, and that is yes, we need to actually speak with a human on the other end of the line in order to interact and and eventually engage them in a in a conversation. Now I'm a big believer in social media and and email and other forms of communication, but those should all be complements to the sales process. Uh, and, and ultimately, it still gets down to talking to another person in live two-way communication. It's interesting that you should mention this idea that younger people don't like to talk on the phone, which I totally agree with. It's, it's that we've gotten away from that whole uh, instrument, this idea of texting. If we have a choice, we'll text versus call. Uh, Gordon Matthews, who invented voicemail over th about, about 30 years ago now, he's rolling over in his grave. He's like, I invited this cool thing, and now people let stuff go to voicemail, and, and then they don't even answer their voicemail. They don't even listen to it. That just blows my mind. I was going in another direction. I was thinking that young people are sometimes, and again, not to indict an entire age group, but um, I was this way when I was young. I didn't prepare for stuff. I was like this gunslinger, man. I would just call and kind of wing it. Uh, I think it's true for a lot of people in the speaking business. It's not just young people. It's certain salespeople like to wing it, in my opinion. I do a lot of sales training. So we've got like this double threat now. Not only aren't we used to talking if we're young, uh, people working in a call center, but we also want instant gratification. We don't really want to do the research to find out who we're going to talk to. Who do you, who do you how do you research who you're going to talk to? What is this um, what is this process that you have for finding out about your audience so that you are intelligent when you call them? Well, there's there's more information available to us than at any point in history, and that's going to be even more true a minute from now. <laughs> and that that's one thing that that the technology has really done for us, and that has given us the capability to to be smarter on our calls. And and really, it's Michael just as simple as just going online. And the the, the first thing I would do if I I come across a prospect is I'm going to go to Google. Mm -hmm. And when I go to Google, I will type their name in if I have a company, I might type their, their company in. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, with Sam Richter, wrote the book, Take the Cold Out of Cold Calling. Sam is the absolute guru on how to use the internet to, to gain intelligence. And um, I've had Sam on my, my podcast, or excuse me, my, my um, membership program several times. 
But uh, there's all kinds of things that you can do if you want to get, if you want to make this a little bit more complicated using Boolean search and all that. But bottom line is, if I just type your name in, I'm going to pull up a number of different references that may lead me in a direction that's going to get me some good information. Uh, if you're on LinkedIn, it's pretty likely it's going to pull up your LinkedIn profile. So I'm definitely going to go there and check out a lot of things, both professionally and personally about you. I want to find some commonalities. I want to find out uh, what position that you're in. I want to see what you say about yourself. So LinkedIn is one of our greatest places to, to gather some intelligence. And then I'm going to look for any other social media. Um, years ago, people might have called this stalking, but uh, it, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's <laughs> gathering intelligence for the purpose of making our message more relevant to that other person. Because people are going to talk to people if they feel that you have something of potential value for them. And that's about the only reason why somebody's going to talk to you. Sure. So what I'm trying to do is to find something that is going to allow me to tailor my messaging so it's going to resonate with something that's going on in your world. Now that's the online, and then again, I just barely scratched the surface there. So, so social media sites, uh, you may have a blog there. I'm, I'm going to go to the company site. I'm going to go to the about us section. I want to find out again, is there anything here that I may be able to touch on that's going to be of some interest to you? Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing, is we can do some real-time research. So we can use a tool called social engineering, which computer hackers use all the time to uh, gather intelligence that then they use, of course, for, for, for bad purposes, illegal purposes, but we use it for good purposes in order to, to get some information. So an example of this would be if I'm calling into an organization, I uh, would call into my decision makers department and I might say, uh, yeah, hi, this is our subject with business by phone. I'm, I'm going to be speaking with Michael. I want to make sure I'm prepared when I do. I, I bet there's probably some information you could help me with. And then I'm going to ask some questions. Now, people might say, well, are, are they going to answer questions? Well, you'd be surprised because people are conditioned to answer questions when you ask them. Uh, for example, in my case, I, I sell sales training and uh, we like to call into sales departments of organizations because we all know the salespeople like to talk, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I'll ask them questions about the type of training they do, the type of prospecting that they're doing, if they're doing prospecting, how successful that they are, challenges that they're running into, be, uh, any initiatives they might have, for example, for the new year, do they have some new business initiatives? So now I may pick out something there that I'm going to be able to plug into my messaging to that decision maker, which is going to resonate with them. For example, it might be, uh, Miss Prospect, I understand that you have a new business initiative for the next year and uh, you're, you're, you have a quota for your salespeople for, for new business. What we do is we specialize in working with organizations, helping them to make those new business calls easier and uh, have them be motivated when, when they do so. And simply like to ask you a few questions, see if uh, we might have the basis here for further conversation. I love it. It's kind of like a forensic forensic selling because you're really doing a CSI on the on the person before you actually reach them. And I think in the end they appreciate it. We want to counsel people not to be creepy about this. Uh, you don't want to ever be perceived as a stalker and it's probably not a good idea to say things like, "Hey, I looked you up on LinkedIn." It's better to work it in tangentially to the conversation, correct? Yeah, you don't want to call up and say, "Yeah, hey, I looked you up on LinkedIn. Uh, hey, nice shirt." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I see, you know, so-and-so it, 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 that does sound stalkerish, I think to a lot of people. 
Yeah, and I, I, I think most people are reasonable about this. But then again, uh, that's why the, the people who actually invest in themselves and they take the time to, to learn the proper way to do it are the ones who are most successful as opposed to the ones who, again, just pick up the phone, smile and dial. And, and, uh, and granted, LinkedIn is a wonderful tool, but it's also being misused by people. Uh, people who are using it to you know, using in mail to spam or uh, they'll, they'll have a connection request with somebody and immediately they think that they're now best friends and which, which is not the case at all. So right. there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way to use most tools. Uh, and, and, and the problem is that there are a lot of people who, who are not successful, don't take the time to learn the best practices and the things to avoid, which causes people to go down in flames. I love this right, wrong, black, white. I like what you're doing with the verbiage that you use on calls when you, when you teach this to uh, people. Uh, I was reading a piece from you the other day. I'm on your list. By the way, uh, let's give everybody your website so that they can find you. Uh, where is the best place to find? Uh, and you have training classes. You have, a, you have several books out on the subject. Tell us about this. Yeah, I've got, I've got all kinds of resources. I would say the best place for people to go would be our blog, where you're going to get a ton of free information there, lots of posts, lots of videos. So that is smartcalling.com, smartcalling.com. And there you can sign up. You can get a free ebook of 501 sales tips. You can get on our list to get our weekly emails, our tips there. So there, there's tons of content there. And then if you have interest in, in going a little bit further, there's, there's opportunities for you to do that as well. Great. Smartcalling.com. Now, so I, I'm on your list and I got a, an interesting mail. They're all interesting, but especially interesting the other day. It was about uh, how a lot of people would call to say that utter this, this phrase and, and, and you teach us why it's not a good phrase and what we might say instead. The phrase has something to do with, uh, hi, my name's Michael. I'm calling from Edison House, and I'm just calling to introduce myself as your new rep. I, I know that you've been uh, hammering people on this for years, but I still hear it. Almost every week somebody calls me. I just want to introduce myself. And, and the pitfall, as you point out, rightly so, is the person says, okay, well, thanks for introducing yourself. And then the conversation's just hanging. They're like, what do you got now? And a surprising yeah. number of people have nothing to follow up with. So tell us, walk us through this scenario. Why is it, why is it put us in a bad spot? And what can we say instead of, I was just calling to introduce myself? Well, first of all, there's, there's an assumption there that, and, and, and the scenario that I used in, in that article, which I'll use here as well, is that sales reps, if they're new to an organization, many times are handed these names, which they, they call accounts, which in fact may not be an account. Maybe somebody showed some interest a while ago in something. Maybe they signed up for an ebook, or maybe they did buy something several years ago. But, but the fact is that the person at the other end of the line doesn't, probably doesn't remember. They don't know you from Adam. Or if they, they are a customer and maybe they didn't even have a relationship with the, with the previous sales rep, this really means nothing to them. So the fact that you're calling to introduce yourself, really what's going through their mind? And I suggest that every sales rep starts out there planning with who is this person, what's going on in their world, and what potential value might I have for them that is going to get their attention and then give them a reason to stay on the phone 
with me because the first 10 seconds of a phone call is really designed to do two things, Michael. It's to put somebody in a positive, receptive state of mind, make them curious, and then get to the questioning. And that's really all we're trying to do because I want to get you opening up as quickly as possible. And the only way I'm going to get you opening up is if I have something of potential value for you where now you're going, hmm, okay, sounds of interest. I'll, I'll invest another few seconds. So then we've got to earn the right to, to stay on the phone with them. In the so if case, we call that establishing positive expectation. It's basically the same premise, and only this time we're on the telephone. Sure. Yeah. So if let's go back to the rep that was handed some accounts. Uh, I, I don't want to assume that they're going to know anything about me. So I want to look at what, what has been their past history here. So for example, let's say they've purchased in the past, okay? But maybe it was a year ago. So now I've got that knowledge here. I'm going to do a little bit of research on the company. If I can do some social engineering to find out, are they still buying these types of products? Uh, Because I can talk to somebody else in their department. I can probably find that out relatively quickly. So then I'm going to think, okay, they're still buying these types of products. They're buying them from somebody else because I can see they haven't been getting them from me. So what I will do now is I will, I will craft some type of value proposition. And by the way, I will be introducing myself in the process. So I, I do, and you notice I use the word process all the time. So I have a process for virtually every type of call or every type of opening. So, so this type of opening, I call it the, you know, the new rep or the, the previous account uh, type of opening. I will call you up and say, hey, Michael, art subject here with business by phone. Uh, first of all, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to provide you with your uh, pencil holder. In, in the past. I, I, I see that uh, we, you had placed an order with us. We, we appreciate the business. Uh, the other reason is to let you know that I'm your go-to person here for anything that you might need in the future. And I understand that you are still buying those. And depending on what you're paying, how often you buy them, uh, we might have an opportunity here to, to help you cut your costs or, or provide you some value on, on, on some other items. I'd just like to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. So what I like best about this is it you're still introducing yourself, but that's not the, what the French call raison d'etre, right? It's not the reason for the call. You're still getting it done, but you're calling with purpose now, which, and the purpose, by the way, is to offer value to the other person. So you're getting a lot more done in the same period of time, which I think everybody appreciates. Yeah, you, you don't want to, like, like you say, you don't want to have that awkward, okay, I introduced myself, <laughs> here yeah. I am. Your John turn. Lennon, John <laughs> Lennon once uh, wrote that the word just, he was a pretty good lyricist, this John Lennon guy. He wrote that the word just is an empty word, that you can take the word just out of a sentence and the sentence retains its meaning. It's, it's not really helpful. And so how interesting that if we're really going to measure the quality and the impact of that first 10 seconds, that we'd actually put meaningless or empty words into it, makes no sense at all. So your point's well taken. Yeah, that's, let me just expand on that because yeah. that, that is absolutely huge. And I'm a big believer in using scripts, but never sounding like you have a script. Okay. And, and, and many times people, when they hear the word script as it relates to sales or using the phone, they go, oh, geez, I don't want to use a script. It's not me. It's not natural. It's not conversational. I don't want to sound canned. But here's the real paradox here. If people do not use a script, then they realize their worst fear, which is sounding like a moron. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we know a lot of people in the, in the performing arts that, that 
use a semblance of scripts, everybody in broad, on Broadway, all professional comedians are using bits that have been pre-crafted and regurgitated every night. They may not be exactly the same, but they're very close to the way they were the night before. Why? Because it works. And so your suggestion about this process is we keep honing and honing and refining. It's like sandpaper on a, on a wood sculpture, right? And it gets better and better and better over time. And of course, uh, as I always say, once you become a really good communicator, you're a good communicator for the rest of your life. So this is a life skill that you teach. And, and I wish more people, and, and we're hoping that this call gets to some of those people so they give you a call and give you some business. What other common, maybe let's do one more, another common thing that, that people struggle with or wrestle with, be of your choice. You mentioned rejection earlier, this uh, idea of call reluctance is an issue. Um, how about the people that say on the call, they say, um, um, I need to think about it, which is a stumbling block. Uh, your pick, man. Um, what would you like to share with the group? To clarify the question, so, so you're asking, what, what's a response I want to think about it? Well, give us an example of another thing that's a common problem for people. I'm sorry, I wasn't more clear about this. Um, another problem that's maybe uh, that people struggle with that you'd like to share uh, some some sort of solution for on this call. Okay. Well, l l let's go back to to one of the main problems. I just surveyed surveyed my my audience yesterday, and I'm getting all the responses back. And, and one common problem is this fear of just simply calling and and picking up the phone. And and that's been a that's been around as long as the phone's been around itself. And if, if and I've studied this quite a bit. And my feeling is part of the reason people are afraid to do it is because they fear that the negative consequence. And what happens for many people is that if they're not prepared, they get on the phone and then they actually experience what they fear the most and, and then they call it rejection. So a few things about that. One is you, we need to accept the fact that we're not going to accomplish our primary objective most of the time, okay? And, and I equate that to, to sports. I mean, baseball players are gonna go up and they're gonna swing and they're gonna miss, and you know, the whole thing about if you can be successful one out of three times, you're extraordinarily successful, okay? So we're not gonna be successful with our primary objective 100% of the time, but the thing is, when, when we don't accomplish the primary objective, instead of looking at then what happens to us as this thing called rejection, how about if we call it something else? And, and here's why. If you tell yourself enough that you're, that, that you're experiencing something bad or that you're an awful person, you're gonna start believing it. So if I start saying to myself, oh God, I got rejected 40 times today, can't wait to do it again tomorrow, you're, you're probably not gonna be picking up the phone. But if you can accomplish something on every single call, even if you don't accomplish your primary objective, whether it be the sale or the appointment or whatever, now I'm looking at it in a different way, plus I can plant a seed for the future. So I call this a secondary objective. So for example, a secondary objective could be, I at least asked the question if I could keep the door open for the future. I at least asked the question if I could put them on my email list. I at least ask the question of when their expiration date is on their existing contract. Now, somebody might say, well, that's not earth-shattering stuff. Well, no, not unless you consider your attitude to be earth-shattering, because now at the end of the day, I can say, well, I accomplished my primary objective three or four times, and at least I accomplished my secondary the rest of the time. Hey, okay. 
not a bad day, as opposed to somebody continually telling themselves that, oh God, I got rejected. I'm supposed to love rejection, but something up here says I'm not going to, I love something, I want more of it. So I, I don't want to get more rejection, but at least I can look at my accomplishments and say, hey, you know what, I got to win on every call. And, um, and, and a lot of it too goes back to your why. I mean, if, if somebody's going to let a no become bigger than whatever their why is, I, I think they're in the, in the wrong business. So, so there's an entire process that I go through with sales reps as to how they look at what happens to them. Because rejection is not an experience, it's how somebody defines an experience. You bet. You know, in sales, uh, I call them micro-closes. So yeah, you didn't get an order for the pencil holders, but you found out when their contract expires. And if you're good at following up, you'll call a month before when they're going out for bid. You make sure you get a chance to bid. That's another micro-close, yeah, a, a chance to bid. And then you might get a small piece of the next contract. That's another micro-close until you become the primary vendor. So it's all, again, part of that process that takes us to uh, victory. Small wins on the way to the big win. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point there, so after I get that small win on this call, very importantly, that's setting up your, your next contact. So I'm going to get agreement that I can call you back. I'm going to put all the information in my notes. So now I'm actually planning my follow-up call while I'm, well, this one is still fresh in my mind. So now when I call back, I'm not calling up going, hey, Michael, our subject here again. Hey, uh, you know, just, just following up with you, see if anything's changed. So instead, I can say, hey, Michael, last time we spoke, you mentioned that your contract's going to be expiring for your pencil holders. We've had some changes here, and uh, I've got a couple ideas that I think might really help you for, for the upcoming year with those pencil holders. I'd like to ask you a few questions. I think that's an important point. I, I go out on a lot of calls with people when I'm doing sales training, and I, I'm sitting next to a lot of salespeople that are only interested in selling the next meeting. And there's nothing, there's no seed planted, to use that analogy, no seed planted, nothing to germinate. And so you do the next meeting, you start all over again, right? Hi, my name's so-and-so. Or if you're still in the rut, you'll say, I'm just calling to reintroduce myself to you, right? And yeah. the cycle never ends, man. But when you use these smart calling processes, ladies and gentlemen, things will improve for you. And our subject has made a career out of helping companies become more successful at this very thing. More information about Art, his products, his training programs. I know you've got another one coming up. Uh, all the current information at smartcalling.com. Art, what a pleasure to know you. You're a true professional, man. Michael, thank you. And, and I admire your work as well. And you're doing a great service for people out there because everybody communicates every day. And the more effective you are at doing it, you're going to be more successful in every aspect of your life. So, so kudos to you, my friend. Thank you. I look forward to working with you sometime in the future. And uh, once again, smartcalling.com, everybody. See you later.